As Leonard Bernstein stood backstage, waiting to begin conducting the New York Philharmonic on November 14, 1943, he was terrified. The guest conductor, Bruno Walter, had taken ill, and the music director of the orchestra could not get to Carnegie Hall in time for the concert. 25-year-old Bernstein had recently been appointed assistant conductor, and his moment had come with just a few hours' notice and no rehearsal, and it was to be broadcast live across the country. Hello, I'm Marilyn Cooley, with this introduction to The Debut, the next concert by the National Philharmonic, in which Bernstein's historic concert will be reproduced. Perhaps the most frightening thing for the young conductor was the first piece on the program. Schumann's Manfred Overture begins with a rest, then three chords, and then a rest that's held at the conductor's discretion. Bernstein said, The thing that was obsessing me, possessing me, was the opening of the Schumann Overture, which is very tricky because it starts with a rest. The downbeat is a rest. If they don't come in together, the whole concert is sunk. So this was like a nightmare. So out I strode in my funny, double-breasted suit and polite pattering of applause and went wildly into the crazy three opening chords of Manfred. And it was like a great electric shock. From then on, I was just sailing. I don't know what happened, but those three chords I will never forget. In that pause after the three chords, I knew that everything was going to be all right. The second piece on that historic concert was the Opus 13, Theme, Variations, and Finale, by the famous film composer Miklos Rosha. He was Hungarian and was fascinated by folk music from a very early age. The theme for this piece was inspired by Hungarian folk music, which Rosha said, quote, arose out of my feelings of nostalgia for the village where I had felt at home. It's introduced by the oboe, then stated by winds and strings. Eight variations follow with the composer's instructions. Between the individual variations, only short breathing breaks are to be kept. The variations cover a variety of moods, and although Rocha hadn't yet begun writing Hollywood film scores, there's certainly a sense of the cinematic in this piece, perhaps a love theme.
military scene. And the finale returns to the theme's folk roots. At this point in the Bernstein concert, it was intermission, and he said he didn't even remember the intermission happening. Back to the podium for Richard Strauss's Don Quixote, another set of variations in which the cello plays the title role and the viola and a few other instruments here and there, play Sancho Panza. The National Philharmonic will be joined by cellist Zul Bailey and violist Roberto Diaz for this performance, and they will have a lot of company on the stage. Strauss wrote for a huge orchestra with an expanded percussion section. Miklos Rocha may not have had a specific story about his variations, but thanks to Cervantes' hero with a huge imagination, Don Quixote, Strauss wrote music for 11 specific scenes from the story. After the introduction that has the tone of a story with some comic elements and some not-so-comic, we head off to adventures including the army to be vanquished, which is actually a herd of sheep. The winds and brass are bleeding throughout most of the movement. In the unhappy voyage in the enchanted boat, Quixote and his sidekick go over a waterfall, then stand at the side of the water praying as the water drips off them. Some ruffians try to convince our heroes that they are flying through the air on their horses. The large percussion section includes a wind machine. finale, Don Quixote gives up his delusional dreams after a staged joust with another knight, and goes home to bed, where he dreams of his adventures and dies peacefully.
And the storytelling continues in Wagner's prelude to his only comic opera, Die Meistersinger. The prelude was completed six years before the premiere of the entire opera. And in an intriguing connection to Richard Strauss, that composer's father, a renowned horn player, was in the orchestra for the premiere. Franz Strauss did not like Wagner at all and resented the composer's long-winded interruptions during rehearsals, so much so that the elder Strauss led a strike by the orchestra musicians. Nevertheless, the premiere in Munich in 1868 was a great success. In the prelude, Wagner presents themes from the opera and combines them before reaching a triumphant conclusion. Einstein said that he didn't remember a thing about the concert once it was underway, until, he said, the sound of people standing and cheering and clapping. As he walked off stage, he was handed a Western Union telegram from his mentor, Serge Kusevitsky, who had been in the nationwide radio audience. Listening now, it read, Wonderful. Join the National Philharmonic, conducted by music director Peter Gajewski, as they play the pieces from that concert that started the major international career of the New York Philharmonic's first American-born and trained music director, and one of the most beloved musical figures in American history. Leonard Bernstein's debut concert. You can find all the details online at nationalphilharmonic.org. I'm Marilyn Cooley. And thanks for joining me for this introduction to the next concert by the National Philharmonic.